Shattering the Glass Ceiling is a production of the Connecticut Democratic Party. I'm Tanaya Baker. And I'm Jacqueline Cozen. And we're your hosts for conversations with women who are the trailblazers, rising stars, elected officials, and campaign pros who make you say, I'm with her. Today's special guests are Madison and Rocky Hill Democratic Town Cheers, Joan Walker and Tejal Valor. Thank you everybody for joining us for another edition of Shattering the Glass Ceiling. We are super psyched today to have two amazing women town chairs, um, Tejal Valum, who leads the Rocky Hill Democratic Town Committee, and Joan Walker, who heads up uh, the Madison uh, Democratic Town Committee. Welcome to both of you. Thank you for joining me and Tanaya today. This is fabulous. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you for having us. Yes. Um, so I'm going to kick it over to Tanaya so that she can start off uh, with the questions. Tanaya. Again, welcome town chairs. Thank you for coming. So the first question is, tell us a bit about your role as the chair of your local Democratic Town Committee. What do you do as chair? So, uh, hi everyone. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, this is uh, this is wonderful opportunity. Um, I am a new chair. This is my first time uh, be serving as, uh, as the Democratic chair for the Rocky Hill Democrats. And um, my, my, my role as, uh, as a chair is, in my opinion, more of a leadership role. I try not to uh, get involved in the day-to-day aspect of it. Um, I'm, uh, I try to come up with larger ideas and then see if people uh, would agree that this is this is the path or the platform that we want to create based on our local uh, topics and agendas that we find it, that we find are important to us in Rocky Hill. Um, and uh, I listen a lot. Uh, uh, at least I think I listen a lot um, to what people want to see as the change. And uh, and when I hear things um, like, for example. Uh, last year, when um, you know, when when the Black Lives Matters rally was going on, uh, we were really we were really upset about it. And so my my thought was we should be participating in something. Um, so then, after li- after listening to what we wanted to do, uh, I came up with an idea of how we could be part of uh, organizing the rally to make it a more fruitful event for families because it felt like a lot of families wanted to get their kids involved. So I think my my main role is that of listening to what my uh, committee wants to see as the change, what uh, issues they feel that we as the Democrats can influence uh, in our town, and then hopefully offer leadership to put those ideas and thoughts into action and include the whole team so it doesn't feel like it's coming from just top down. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Joan, how about you? Um, so I have a, um, I've been chair um, since 2017 when our chair, um, Betty uh, Peggy Lyons, um, ran for first select woman in one in Madison. So I have, um, I'm kind of a seasoned campaigner. I, my campaigning goes back, uh, well, I guess now almost a couple of decades. Uh, <laughs> But um, so I was, I worked with Deb Heinrich when she was a state representative and I started as a volunteer and ended as a campaign manager. I ran 
for several offices. I was on the board of selectmen here in Madison for a while. Um, so I see our role as the Democratic Town Committee is to get people elected, period, end of sentence. We also do advocacy work. We, um, I was um, instrumental as an adult assisting with the youth Black Lives Matter march that happened here in Madison. Um, because I know I was, it was helpful for me to in, um, get, bring the youth to the people who were in the um, emergency management team because we were doing it in the middle of the pandemic. So, um, but I really um, focus our efforts on getting people elected because we have an election every year, and whether it be local or state or um, you know, just congressional, it's every single year somebody's up and running for re-election. So we really need to focus our efforts um, you know, on fundraising, uh, party building and welcoming. So I, I have a few hats um, that I wear. Um, you know, as chair, I run the meetings, but they're very um, integrated meetings. Everybody speaks um, and gives their points of view. Um, I am also the data person and have been since I was part of the DTC. I, it's something that I do and I do well so I can help on the data side very quickly and get information out to if we have campaign managers or um, hired people that we've hired to help with the campaigns on the mailings and things like that. So that's what I, I see the role. I try to um, bring influence to Madison by um, you know getting people involved here and getting people elected um, and, and flipping. We, we are we were very blue. Um, then we started turning purple and I mean, we were very red, I'm sorry. And then we started turning purple and I'm hoping to be completely blue in this next election, quite frankly. We need to, we take, we need to take the majority on all the boards so that we can actually um, have a, you know, let our candidates have policies that can be implemented rather than uh, being obstructed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that, um, you know, one thing that we, hear a lot uh, is, you know, municipal elections are where, um, you know, we build our bench and the candidates, you know, so you're, you're, you're building the future of a democratic party. And I think town chairs, interestingly, is an amazing position uh, to launch other people's careers. Um, so, I mean, and, and it's sometimes a coveted position. Uh, so how did the two of you, how did you, uh, both get into, you know, become a, a town chair. I mean, it is an elected position. Um, and, you know, sometimes there's a lot of jockeying and stuff. And a lot of times there's a lot of not it. I don't, you know, you get uh, appointed without being in the room if you miss a meeting sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, Joan, if you want to talk a little bit about, you know, how you got here, you know, you start off and, mm -hmm. um, uh, and what do you enjoy most about it? Like, what do you? Yeah, so, um Peggy um, resigned because she was going to be running. And prior to the resignation, she talked to me and said, I really need you to kind of take the helm and several other um, currently elected officials and members of the DTC said, yes, we want you to be running. Because at the time I was contemplating running for the board of finance um, because I do have a financial background and I pretty much know our budget pretty well. But um, we had, we had five candidates going for board of finance, <laughs> which was highly unusual. And I was okay. like, okay, I don't mind wow. taking a step back and I will focus on the DTC and see, you know, making sure that we keep organized and, and focused. Um, 
And the things I love about it, are the people, the people you get to meet, the people who reach out um, to you. Um, there's a lot of positive energy in the Democratic um, Party right now, where we, um, and, and rightfully so, um, there, there's a positive force to go for, I consider the good that is in politics. Um, yeah. You know, there's always going to be you know, it's politics, guys. It's it's a it's a it's a blood sport. Um, and if politics and politics, so. politics is politics. So, but um, the people that I've gotten to know over the years, just by being a member and now being chair, and and just you know trying to to bring people new people in or hearing you know hearing somebody that has a spark talk about something, and I say, oh, whoa you know, what do you think about running for elected office or, you know, or one of our, you know, committees or, so um, I, the, it's the people, it is really the people and, and being part of the, the Connecticut, you know, um, party, there's a lot of people and, and just watching the next generation come up is really a, been a very positive thing for me. Very exciting, yeah. Tajal, how about you? How'd you, uh, how'd you become chair and what are, what are you enjoying most? Um, so, uh, so for me, I was vice chair for a few years, um, prior to Ken Goldberg was the chair for a very long time and, uh, very well known and respected in our, in our committee and in our town. Um, he, uh, you know, he stepped down just because, uh, he had been part of it for a long time. Um, and so he asked me at that time if I was interested in running, um, uh, you know, I said, of course. Um, and so, uh, so I was elected. We did have, we did have interest, uh, from other people in the committee also that wanted to, to, uh, run for position for the same position, which is actually great. Um, and I think, uh, you know, exactly what Joan said, I think you couldn't get, you couldn't get to be a chair at a better time. You just in our, in our town, uh, smaller, much smaller than, than Madison. Uh, we've had about 400 uh, new Democrats. Either they've switched, moved into town, or um, you know, or finally just registered for the first time. So this is going to be an exciting election for us. And uh, what I'm enjoying is the positivity uh, and the feedback that we're getting. Um, just the momentum. I feel you know we 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 lost the election last time, um, so we don't have majority on the council, the board. Uh, of course, the mayor. Um, so uh, the the challenge this time is going to be, um, you know, to get the right slate and to be to be to get that message across that where people can can relate to us more and understand where we stand uh, with them. And um, that's pretty much what I enjoy. I enjoy the challenge and the of of finding ways to reach people. And also, um, much like Joan, I've met so many great people in our town that I don't think I would have met otherwise if it wasn't for this position. And mm -hmm. it's just great because they feel comfortable to come up and tell me things um, and tell me, you know, what they what they're enjoying seeing within our committee, uh, that we're more visible, that we're we're much more open. And so, um, yeah, I think I think I'm going to enjoy the summer, though it's going to be hard work. But, uh, you know, I'm hoping that we go from red to directly to blue and, and hopefully skip the purple stage a little bit this November. Um, uh, so that's kind of that's kind of our goal yeah. this time around, because I feel like the wind is at our back and, and it's our time to hopefully take advantage of that. And I, I'll probably 
probably be reaching out to Joan after because I think her seasoned approach is going to help. Do you have any tips, Joan, on what? uh, (laughs) Well, believe it or not, Madison's a little smaller than Rocky Hill. We're right in the same area. Oh, really? Yeah, we're only at 18,000. So uh, we had we had a lot of new Democrats move to town. Um, And we uh, the last election, 2017 municipal, we had one more Democrat than Republican. It was the first Mm -hmm. time ever. Okay, so when I'm talking a red town, it had been, you know, Republican for decades. I mean, when they, I we had an um, we had a honorary for Jack Davis, who is uh, one of our what I consider one of our main, main elders in town. And he said when he went to register to vote, his wife was a Republican and he was a Democrat, and his form was so yellowed it was two decades old. So no one had registered as a dec- as, as a Democrat for 20 years. And oh, so, wow. oh so we God. honored him as being a pioneer for our party within the town. And now, now we have um, over 500 more uh, Democrats than Republicans. But the unaffiliated are still the strongest um, group yeah. within the town. So that's that's always a challenge. I can tell you that. It is. It is. It is. Uh, yeah. And I feel like they sometimes vote for the... The candidates, especially at local, um, you know, and how the candidates present the issues. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, luckily we've we've we have a lot of affiliates, uh, we have a lot of Dems, but um, for some reason it, it, we have more Dems actually in Rocky Hill and on affiliates than actually Republicans. But mm-hmm. the thing is, um, for some reason, uh, the, they just don't come out to vote for our our party. Just doesn't actually seem to get the votes out. And so our biggest challenge is going to be to say, um, you know, last election, uh, you know, for for the for the state elections, it was an amazing turnout. And I think the absentee ballots and, uh, you know, and and just the access to easy voting really helped us. Um, So, uh, you know, I don't think we'll enjoy that that benefit this time around. But I I mean, I'm, I'm really hoping that we we as a state can come by and pass a lot of legislation that just helps people come out and just make it easier and accessible to voting because um, we saw the big difference right last year uh, and both of our, both of our uh, state Senate and house seats, uh, they won uh, by huge margins um, and we've never seen so many absentee ballots turned in. Yeah. Um, I mean, first time voters. Right. I mean, the first time voters, um, the people who registered um, after 2017 election um, as Democrats and then voted in the 2000, um, you know, last election uh, last year was, it was huge. It was absolutely huge. Um, So we, I mean, 2019, I'm sorry, not 2017. So we had, we had um, like 360 Democrats register after um, the last municipal and for the presidential in the local. So um, we also, it was funny because I, um, I had eye sur- unexpected eye surgery on the day of the election. I'm like, are you kidding me? Really? Oh, this day? <laughs> and so, so um, I was talking to one of our candidates and he was a little nervous. He's like, well, you know, the polls are in. I said, don't worry about the polls. I said, you have at least a two thirds to three quarter majority in the absentees. Once it's done, you're winning. You're winning handily. And I, I said that at like, you know, probably um, eight o'clock after the polls closed. And then at midnight or a few minutes after midnight, the Yahoo's went out. And 
it was true. Um, it's about, you know, getting on those doors or making those phone yeah. calls or reaching those people however you can. Um, yeah. You know, the last municipal election, we had a very good, believe it or not, postcarding. You know, yeah. we had people come and do postcarding to friends or just write postcards and things like that. That personal touch. Um, right. You know, whether, you know, whether it be, and hopefully we'll be able to door knock this time because I do have, um, I've already got it kind of outlaid for September and October. Um, you know, uh, so it's, it's just, you know, uh, personal, that's the one thing that I loved as a candidate and I've always loved as a volunteer. I used to go door knocking, you know, when the call would come out from the Hilltop Brigade, we need people here, we need people there. I would always be one of those people knocking on doors with somebody that was in town that could explain the candidate, but would be very excited. And by, you know, halfway through, I could speak as well about this candidate because I was listening and mm. hearing what people were saying back and forth. So it's a matter of connecting. And I think we do yeah. a very good job of doing that. And that's how, I mean, I, that's how I got interested in politics. I went, volunteered for uh, Alderman race in New Haven. And mm. I just, loved it. I loved being on the doors and talking to the people and hearing what's going on in their lives. Like, how can you create policy to help solve like, and the problems were similar, like everybody, you know, said the same thing. So it was really interesting where you're realizing it's a policy, um, how you can really have an impact on policy. Yeah. See, and for me, it was the exact opposite. I was so nervous at the doors, but you do see that it makes like a really, really big difference in like getting people out. Cause it is kind of hard to get people out. Um, in local elections, like since since I was working like on campaigns and stuff too, it seemed like it was harder to get people on look on the local side um, because people come out for presidential elections, but it's it's harder to get them out for local elections when this is where it starts and this is like this affects them the most. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. Well, i i had a I had a candidate that basically said, "I'm not going to door knock. Um, I'm not going to do anything, and um, you know, I have enough." People know me enough that I, you know, I don't think I'm going to have a problem getting elected. And he had the lowest vote count. And he came up to me election night and looked at me and said, "You are absolutely right." Yeah. So it, it, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter what your reputation is in town, so to speak. People want to, see, you right. know, that only goes so far. I mean, we think our bubbles are bigger than they are, but they're really not. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know? no. And this isn't. Uh, I think sometimes it comes down to just. Uh, recognize names in our town, so people think that maybe they're they're you know generational names that are in town. So people will just will vote based on name recognition, and I think um, perhaps that might have been true uh, some time back. But now with social media and uh, people, you know, making a name for themselves in many different avenues, platforms, uh, mm-hmm. even at a local basis. I for you know what I try to say is that you know. Uh, all you need is like uh, one successful uh, retweet, right? I mean, I think that's been proven. <laughs> and suddenly you go from nobody knows me to everyone knows me and it could be for the, all the wrong issues. And so um, couldn't couldn't agree with all of you guys enough. And I've, I've pretty much said that to everybody that the, the, the touch, just the personal touch and the personal conversation that might make that person relatable to you um, is what makes them want to come out and vote for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you do, do both of you um, either either one of you could start? Um, do you feel 
like you face certain obstacles with um, even now or running your election uh, because you are a woman or even a person of color? We can start with uh, Tajal and then we can go to you, Joan. Um, you know, unfortunately, I'm, I'm relatively new to this, so I don't know what's going to come down my path in the next couple of months. But um, as far as my committee goes, um, I have to say they have been uh, beyond above and beyond supportive, um, perhaps more so because I'm a woman. Um, and I think, uh, you know, they, uh, they respect the leadership, they respect the voice. And, um, you know, I think I'm open to conversation all the time. Um, so that has helped um, as far as, uh, you know, a, a, my, a person of Indian origin. Um, uh, I think uh, that has also helped me a little bit in the sense that I'm the first Indian uh, person, uh, Indian woman um, in town to be elected as chair. And because our town has a high population uh, of Indian families, um, I also think that that has uh, just helped to garner more support for the mm -hmm. position and for the voice and the platform. So I don't know what will come my my way. I you know uh, there has been uh, some 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 feedback that hasn't been not not negative by any means, challenging let's say, uh, you know, and has asked me to to perhaps take much more of a stronger stance than than I'm used to. Uh, but I'm not sure that that wouldn't have been the same case had I been uh, a man or, uh, you know, so, uh, so thankfully, knock on wood so far, so far, so good. But, uh, you know, um, I think that whatever obstacles come my way, at least I, I feel very confident that I have uh, that my team has my back and will help me through it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I think having a strong team around is, is really um, critical. You need people who are going yeah. to uh, be positive about things. Now, I, I am not a shrinking violet by any means. Um, I've, I've got a business in our industry services, financial services. So I have some pretty sharp elbows when it comes to defending my turf and speaking my mind. Um, but there was some challenges um, when I first became chair that um, I was being um, too, um, too strong. Uh, and they wanted, this was from uh, some of the old school saying, you know, you, you need to soften the approach. People don't like to see women this way. And, um, you know, I had to um, respectfully disagree. Um, this is my approach. Um, I, I'm pretty straightforward. Um, I try to do a gentle touch when I'm talking to people as far as constructive criticism and how things are going. But I think the challenges. Um, I had, uh, I've, I, I overcome, overcame as a candidate. Um, you know, there were, there were just obstacles thrown up left and right as a female candidate um, as I was coming up through the ranks. And um, now that I've become chair, I wanna make sure that those same obstacles are not part of the MDTC. So there were things said to me that would have never been said to a man, period, end of sentence. Um, just, just not, would never have ever been said. And, you know, um, there was a little bit of a hoopla in the last election where I called out somebody on Facebook and I did a, a letter from the chair. And, you know, normally my letters on Facebook reach about 100 people. You know, this one happened to go a bit viral, like 7,000 touches. Wow. Um, so 
Um, and all of a sudden the opposition was, you know, calling me a nasty woman, which I was like, oh, yay. Okay. And, <laughs> I'll, I'll take that moniker. Others were saying that I was jealous. I was a bitter old, you know, bitter woman, who, you know, started getting personal about my marriage. I was just, and it was just, my kids were like, mom, we, I'm like, no, do not say a word. This is not worth the Facebook type, you know, meanwhile, um, you know, I had people within the community um, not necessarily come out and say what I did was right, but say anytime we see something like this, it needs to be called out. Um, so it was it was a very powerful point, but it was also a point where I was getting threats. I got threats in the 2019 election. I had digital. Um, I had a digital phone call come at me um, that said, you know people who lives in, live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. And when that's an electronic voice saying this to you over your, your cell phone, um, you know, I had to report it to the police. Um, I started, you know, I live next to the state forest. I started watching my dog in the front yard. So just because there's, there's avid hunting that goes on in that it's bow hunting, but the bow hunters do carry pistols for the kill shot if they need to. So uh, my approach, um, didn't really change though. <laughs> it's not really who I am. So I think, you know, you just have to kind of learn to live with the repercussions if you're going to speak your mind. And I think, you know, we, we did a sexism in politics uh, panel. Gosh, when was that, Tanaya? Was that like in January? January, because it was part of inauguration week. And, uh, you know, a number of candidates we saw uh, last year, the women, in particular, received um, you know threatening notes. Uh, you know, in one uh, town, a state senate candidate, somebody strapped a sex toy to her lawn signs. Um, you know, someone uh, who they, was yep. divorced, spray painting. Yep, yep um, divorced was said that you know she couldn't lead because she's involved in a relationship uh, outside of marriage and she's divorced. Oh. You know, I've been married thirty years. Um, so, you know, the, the, and the, interestingly, this is all democratic women who were running, um, mm -hmm. and a lot of them had a strong opinion on gun violence. Um, you know, uh, representative Jillian Gilchrist has been the target of some really nasty, disgusting memes and women, mm -hmm. you know, uh, mm -hmm. what we heard over and over again was like, what do you do about this? And it was exactly Joan, call it out. We have to speak about it. And I always say, you know, a wound uh, you know, doesn't heal if you keep a Band-Aid over it. You have to open it to the air uh, so that it does actually heal. So I think, you know, and part of the reason why we're doing this podcast is exactly that, to have these conversations so that other women can hear and support, create a support network among ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, women have to have women's backs in order for them uh, to continue moving forward. So, um, you know, I, and I think in one respect, we've heard from other women that that kind of, you know, sisterhood that gets created helps them lead more effectively. Um, but, you know, how would you say women lead differently than men? Like, what do you, in terms of women's leadership, what do you see as, um, you know, you know, positive differences that, you know, have an impact? And, uh, you know, Joan, we can start with you. So um, I think that women have a tendency to truly listen um, and try to gain an understanding rather than just listen to put a point down. 
So there's a way of listening where you're listening to find the, the problem with what's being said so that you can jump all over it and have an argument about it. And there are times when absolutely I'm doing that on a debate level um, because I'm very passionate about what I'm believing in. And I think that what's coming at me is not necessarily um, strong argument, so to speak. But on the other hand, I think that, that we're, we're very willing to compromise from, a, from, to me, what I consider a legislative standpoint, but not an integrity standpoint. Does that make sense? So yeah, exactly. we can sit there and say, okay, what's best for the town? What can we do? And, you know, but also um, hear both sides. Um, and I think that there's, a, there's an emotional part of it. Um, you know, you're thinking when you're making decisions or you're helping the people get elected, you're looking at these people and say, will they be making decisions that not only are going to make my life better, but my children's life better. And I look at that and I think about people who are running. Why are you running? Why do you want this? Are you going to be able to have what it takes when it, you know, because every elected official, even though almost all of them are volunteers, just get killed. And, you know, the, the anonymous, uh, how Facebook can be so anonymous. You don't have to have your real name out there. You don't have to, yes. you can just attack, attack, attack. Um, and, you know, I've been on the receiving ends of the attacks. I've been, I've helped deflect attacks and become who's being attacked because that person needed help. And I'm like, oh, I'll take it up for this time, you know, go back and continue to do your work. So I think that but on the other hand, I think sometimes we have a lot of problem uh, supporting other women. And I want to yeah. get that out there. Um, it's tough. And if you don't have people that support you and can be part of your inner core and who you are um, to say, yeah, it's okay. And even if we disagree on a political measure or, or, or a political approach or even you know something like that, that it's not going to be the end of um, you know the relationship, so to speak, um, women are tough on each other, and men are more apt to just you know kind of I think kind of follow and continue to bolster, and we question. Yeah. So it's a two-edged sword. Yeah, and I wonder if some of that because a lot of I got into a debate with somebody that's like, why did all these women not support Hillary Clinton? Like why? And mm -hmm. I we won't go down the whole rabbit hole, but I was like, it's internalized misogyny that we've been, yeah. you know, pushed and, you know, told that uh, she's a threat to you because she may get the man and you may not like, um, but anyway, I'm sorry, Tajal, yeah. uh, over, over, well, over to you. So. <laughs> Uh, no, a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, leaning on, on points that both of you have made. Um, I think that uh, there's so much, um, stereotyping and expectations on uh, how women lead uh, and how men lead, that it's actually um, seeped into the women's um, psyche also, uh, where I think, uh, you know, men, men do lead uh, by outcomes. Uh, so it's always a means to an end. And uh, I also think that uh, women are in the past, and I'm hoping, of course, with with leaders like all four of us coming in and, and, and more, of, more of us coming into the picture, uh, hopefully that dialogue will change and that stereotype that, you know, one sex, uh, a male versus a female is a disadvantaged minority. So while, while we are women, um, that, that, that um, 
that term, uh, you know, I think it just has a lot of repercussions with it. Um, and so whether we, whether we do it knowingly or, or cog, you know, consciously, uh, we do react to those uh, stereotypes, even as women. And um, I think that that affects the way we lead um, and that affects the way we support. Um, and uh, so and that also leads to the expectations we have of each other. Uh, and that also fuel, fuels the way men think of us as leaders. So, um, but, you know, I think, I think having, uh, there has to be a balance, right? So if you have, if you have all women uh, in a room, um, is it effective leadership? Probably not. You know, has it been an effective leadership when you've had all men talking about women's issues? Uh, no, it hasn't actually helped the dialogue at all. So um, I think we have to manage expectations of ourselves. And also we have to accept the fact that because we're different, uh, there, is a, there is a proper balance in democracy and there's a proper balance in this world. And, um, and that's good. So, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with, uh, with, with, with sort of creating this ecosystem where, you know, if, um, if Jacqueline and if you and I have a disagreement on, on a particular political issue, that does not mean I disagree with you on the fundamentals of just humanity. Um, and so why, why do we have to go down that line of, you know, um, well, men support bad behavior of other men. Women just don't touch the subject because they're afraid that they're going to lose the position that they, they're at uh, or they're going to be looked upon differently and use certain terms, even like the terms like even Joan said, you know, those are terms that are just nothing more than stereotypes. And, um, and I think that that, that has to change in our dialogue. And as far as how women lead differently, um, that balance that I was mentioning, what men, what women can bring to the table um, is input. So we are more likely to listen. We are more likely to uh, support services uh, that are, that are much more uh, human based, so to say, not, I don't mean it like uh, any other way, but you know, that are not, that are not truly a means to our, our necessary ends. Like if we, if we're mothers and we see our children, we don't like to see them um, not have enough food or proper food or nutrition. More likely, we will support social services that makes it available to all women. And that's a good dialogue to have. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, you know, so that's, a, that's how I believe women lead differently. And men uh, also are very caring and very generous. Many, of, you know, mo a lot of them are. But they're also stuck in that stereotype of that's not what we do. And I think what bringing women to the table helps them also become better effective leaders. Um, and I think that's why women can help with their leadership qualities. They can hopefully make men better leaders. And uh, with men letting go of some of the stereotypes and women also letting go of the stereotypes that women are a disadvantaged minority, which we're not, um, we can, you know, hopefully we can stop looking at each other as, um, you know, uh, as not as equals. I think that's a great way to look at it, that like women help men be better um, leaders and vice versa. Um, but uh, we all know that it's been a challenging four years. How do you both keep fighting? Where do you find your inspiration to keep going? Joan, you can start. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> uh, my kids are part of my inspiration. Um, you know, um, I fought like hell. I mean, when I will never forget this. My youngest Oak woke up the day after um, our last president was elected and looked at me and said, uh, a 
am I going to have to go to conversion camps and because uh, Oak identifies as non-binary. And I was like, I'm no, no, we will move out of the country if this, you know, because Pence was so into that and, and everything else. And, you know, I just took that and recognized every single thing that for the most part that came out of this administration, it just made me stronger and stronger to fight for our democracy. It wasn't even the Democratic Party anymore. It was for the democracy. I could see it just, you know, just paper cut by paper cut by paper cut, just starting to be pulled away. And, you know, uh, to, you know, to the grand crescendo of January 6th, it was just like, I could see it over years. I mean, I've been studying politics for almost all my life. I got involved in sixth grade. Because Mr. Moriarty was a really cute teacher and he taught civics and he got us involved in elections. Uh, and from that point on, um, I was kind of hooked. You know, I was on student council. I was state student council representative. I went around the country, you know, in high school. And so I took a little break during college and a little bit afterwards. But when I settled in Madison, I got a little bit more involved once the kids were born. And, you know, it, it to me, it was absolutely and still is about ensuring that this democracy survives. And what I'm seeing now with all of these voter suppression um, acts that are coming out in all of the states um, is driving me crazy. But what also drives me crazy is um, Connecticut is one of the most restricted states as far as voting goes. It really yeah. is. So we need to do better ourselves. We need to look at home and say, we've got to push this. And if it takes two or three or four or five years, we've got to have early voting. We've got to have no, um, you know, absentee, no fault absentee ballots. We need to have ballot boxes everywhere. Um, we can't sit here and poo-pah what other people are doing when our own state is so restrictive. So, and I think we need to kind of get that up and running as well. So I see challenges everywhere. Um, you know, my kids were supportive. I have a very strong group of friends from college that um, we support each other during all different times in our lives. And we try to get together at least once or twice a year. Last year was all Zooms for the most part. <laughs> um, every now and then, you know, we do a social distance, something outdoors. And, um, but, you know, it's, it was a tough, tough four years. Um, and, you know, I, but it also brought out people the recognition that democracy is not guaranteed and i think that that has put a fire under the democrats and i'm i'm hoping it continues for not just you know one election cycle yeah yeah absolutely right um yeah i couldn't agree with you more joan i mean um just the last four years uh Really, if I if I wasn't uh, a, a, a fervent activist uh, as you were right from right from a very young age, it certainly made me one. Um, looking at what was happening in this country, and of course we moved here in 1980 uh, for all the for all the reasons that uh, that America had uh, its promises and um, and its leadership and its democracy. Whereas India is a democracy, but it's really difficult uh, to to get a lot of just the basic things done because the bureaucracies are just so, um, and just, it's very difficult. And you see people struggling for, 
for just making a small business work. And then you come here and you realize that, um, you know, this is, this is what makes this country wonderful is that everybody has a fair shot. There are no hidden agendas. Um, and, uh, when you see the last one, you know, when you see the last four years unfold and, and of course, uh, the climax of it was January 6th, you suddenly start to realize that this is how deterioration happens. It's literally um, it's it's piece by piece. The fabric of a democracy falls apart. And you've seen so many other countries, you know, uh, where uh, those challenges, once it falls apart, to put it back together um, takes generations. And um, that's my inspiration to keep going is to say that, you know, uh, what this country has built, um, it, it, it can't lose it. And, and it's, it's amazing to me, what was surprising to me, because, because I think perhaps my own blind spots is that when I heard things in the last four years, in my mind, I'm like, no one's going to fall for that. That's just, that's just, <laughs> come on, that's just common sense. That makes no sense. And, um, and then when I heard the opposing sides just saying, yeah, that makes absolute sense. <laughs> you know, and and it was almost like, are we talking about the same simple points? Uh, uh, and so when you hear that, you realize that, uh, wait a minute, the, the dialogue is changing, the conversation is changing, and it's a dangerous path that this country is going down in. Um, and we witnessed it, right? I mean, I've heard many stories from my grandparents, um, of course, my, my own parents. Um, and you realize that, uh, that if we go down the slippery slope uh, and if we end up there, if we don't fight, like what Joan was mentioning, um, and if we don't do the right things, if citizens don't get involved now, um, then, you know, future generations, my grandchildren uh, will probably wonder why we made the decision to come here in the first place. And, uh, you know, we don't want that to happen. So that's what keeps me going. Nice. Yeah. Um, so let's move to something fun. Uh, so I, I don't know, uh, we've been asking this question of all of our guests, but you know, is there, what music do you listen to uh, to get ready for a big political event or especially election day? Um, you know, is there a particular song that really gets you pumped up and going? Tajal? Um, yeah, well, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a huge 80s uh, rock, fan and uh you know uh, so 80s 90s anything so for me uh, you know classic a classic song that i probably still listen to almost every day is uh journey don't stop believing i just I love that guitar riff and i can't get yes. enough of it and then uh you know and then my other big one that just kind of feels like i just want to get out there and, and and knock it out of the ballpark has to be like Black Eyed Peas, let's get this started and let's get it started. And I just, I mean, those two songs, you put those on and uh, it could be anything. It could be like, uh, you know, a pizza eating contest and I'm pretty sure I'll demolish it. How about you, Joan? Well, um, my niece sent me a playlist um, so it's not necessarily any one thing, but it, I love the title of it. And it says, before I was born. Ah. And she said, auntie, it's not before you were born. It was before I was born. So you'll love all this music. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. It's, you know, it's, it's 60s, 70s and 80s rock, which is more my, uh, you know, I was, um, 
I was born in the early 60s, so in the 70s when it was really crazy um, in the first round of feminism movement when we really thought we were going to get the Equal Rights Amendment done. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. 50 years later. Um, but <laughs> um, yeah, that was another thing that got me pumped at the time. Uh, so I listened to that, and there's always a song. But believe it or not, um, something else that my kids um got me into um was hamilton oh nice yeah yeah, yeah. yep i'm not gonna my, uh what Great is it I'm not, I'm not gonna lose my shot lose my shot that's it yeah yeah we're seeing that i'm seeing that a lot about the vaccine on uh like instagram and stuff people are uh using but it. that was something yeah, so we actually played that song in one of those uh, sign rallies, you know, at the corner of our main street. Oh, nice. And uh, yeah, that song came on and I, I swear so many, it was a beautiful day. So lots of windows were rolled down and we had this giant speaker. And um, yeah, I don't know how many people uh, drove by and, and, you know, were, were dancing to that song. It's just yeah. a great song. Absolutely great song. Well, it was, it was funny because uh, up until the pan, up until the pandemic, um, the year before, I was taking the girls to school and it was my time in the morning to be drop them off and go to work and then come back and whatever until Oak got their license. And, um, I, uh, the playlist that they had sometimes it was like, girls, come on. And then anytime that Hamilton was on, it was like full energy in the car. So that was definitely, I can't wait to actually yeah. see the show someday. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so for our last question, what advice can you give women wanting to break into politics? Have a good support system around you. Um, don't be afraid to fail because, you know, this is not a perfect, you know, I have lost personally uh, two elections, <laughs> wow. but I was instrumental in getting others elected and having a positive result. So uh, learn from it and um, don't, don't um, never think you're, you know, too young or too old to learn um, and never discount somebody's advice, honestly, because of age. Because there's some people that I know that are older than I am, believe it or not, uh, that have great, great advice. And then there's some young people that I've had around during my election cycles. And it's like, why didn't I think of that? Oh my God, that's a great idea. You know, and, you know, just, you know, take the ideas, give people credit for their ideas, because that is something that I see happens a lot that people are not, you know, they kind of take it as their own. Um, I've always believed in giving credit, but I think the biggest thing with any career, quite honestly, is you've got to have a solid support system that's gonna that's going to be supportive, but uh, brutally honest at the same time. You yeah. need that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm new to this, so I probably uh, am not the right person to give um, a lot of advice. Uh, but uh, from what the, my perspective on it is, um, you know. Um, for 200 years, plenty of men have come through and uh, made great strides and made awful mistakes. And uh, we will do exactly the same. Uh, but the difference between them and us is that they put their name uh, on the ballot and they put their name on the slate. So um, no harm in uh, if you have the passion and you 
have the integrity and you have the willpower to sustain uh, the shots that'll come uh, that'll come at you, uh, but you know in your heart and in in your mind that you're fighting for all the right reasons, uh, and you're fighting for uh, not just all the women, the future generations, our children, uh, our country. Then you can't do no wrong. Then you you will not you will not fail. So um, there's no harm. There's nothing wrong. And and again, you know you got to get in the game and and that's the only way you're going to be able to know uh if you don't step onto the field uh then you'll always be you'll always be an audience and a sideline member and that's not always fun well we want to thank you both for for coming on uh this was great you both are super intelligent that's the person that came ahead you both are super (laughs) intelligent you're amazing keep doing amazing work i also wanted to mention on Next week, uh, Wednesday at 7 p.m., we're having our official Black Caucus launch. So if you all can join, that'd be great. Uh, and this is this is amazing. We have our AAPI Caucus launch also on the 21st, a week from yeah. Wednesday. Okay. So. And I have a yeah. plug for both of our town committees. If you are interested in running for office or helping out in the campaigns, contact us. Yes. We need <laughs> your help. Yes. <laughs> thank, no, you. thank you, guys. You guys have been great. Thank you. And Joan, it's been a pleasure meeting you. I appreciate it. Nice meeting you too. Everybody, everybody, let's get into it. Get stoned. Get started.